praise you have going to God. Amen. That was the favorite song when I was in Japan last. And uh, so we would challenge them to get out of their seats and dance. Well, they got into that piece. And we put the video of... Uh, oh my goodness, who did that song? Hezekiah Walker. And we put his video up, and so they were following all the dancers, and then the whole church was rocking. So we'll have to do that sometime. Get up here and lead everybody dancing. Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. We go from freezing to cold. It is Michigan weather. Thank you, Lord. So if you're feeling a bit warm in the sanctuary, we can open them windows. Because, of course, we turned on the boiler because it was very cold. But praise God. We're just so glad you're here. If you're at home watching on live stream or wherever you're at, you can put your air conditioning on. Hallelujah. Amen. But we just thank God for you tonight. We thank God that you have said, I'm going to tune in to what God is saying tonight. And I'm excited to just bring you another word. This one's on prayer. Can we ever get enough instruction on prayer? No. Because God is always speaking. So when it comes to the prophetic word of the Lord, God always has something to say. And we're going to receive the communion table tonight. So just a heads up so you can ooh, piece of hair, so that you can grab uh, some juice and a cracker or some form of the elements and you can join us in communion tonight so let us go to the Lord in prayer tonight how many of you had a good week amen how many of you could have had a better week amen but it's always a life worth living and exciting when you're walking with Jesus. He keeps it fresh, and you're always wondering what's coming next, Lord. But one thing I know for sure in this hour, no matter what we see in the world, no matter what we're experiencing, the one thing God keeps speaking to my heart is I'm up to something. God is up to something. I think I even posted that several months ago on my page. I said, no matter what we see, no matter what we hear, God is up to something. And he reminded me of that, and then someone just spoke it to me today. They said, God's up to something. And it's so true. And when you're walking with him, and you're staying in that attitude of prayer, that constant communion with him, then you don't have to wonder, you don't have to worry, you don't have to fear. Because you know, and I know that God is always in control. Hashem is in control. And so let's pray tonight as we go before the throne of grace. And Father, we just come tonight humbling ourselves. And just right now, God, just like we sang this morning, some things we just don't know till we get on our knees. Some things we just can't understand till we get on our knees. So, Father, receive our hands raised and our hearts bowed before you as an act of humility. Receive tonight our hearts just hungry for more of you. Receive tonight all that you see in us. Father, we surrender tonight. We ask you to change us. We don't want to stay the same. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to shine a light on those areas that need your touch. Enlarge our understanding of your word tonight. 
Enlarge our hearts to love like we've never loved. To set ourselves aside to consider someone else. To be Jesus to people. Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you that you alone can do this in us. So we turn all of our attention to your word. Help us to focus and see what you are saying to us. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. of you know that God speaks to you. Amen. I want to look quickly tonight at some scriptures. I won't labor you long here, but I like us to get a blast of the Holy Spirit and then we go out there and blast everyone else. Amen. Look with me at Genesis 44, 18. He says, then Judah came near to him. And he said, oh, my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ear and let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. The part I want to draw your attention to is the very first two lines. Can you go back there? Good. Then Judah came near. To him. You know, we go near to God. And obviously, here there's fear. And sometimes we have fear when we approach God. But I believe as we look at this tonight, it also teaches us how to pray. Because we don't have to fear. If He really understood, if Judah understood, and if the servant really understood the relationship between someone and their leader or someone and their master, we don't have to fear if we really have relationship. Are you hearing me? I don't have to fear that God's going to be angry if I question him. I don't have to fear that he's going to kick me to the curb if, you know, I don't do everything he tells me immediately. Some of us were raised in denominations where God was this big old guy with an axe ready to chop our heads off. But I don't see God that way in my life. I don't think... That when there is true relationship, I don't think we have to fear. Children shouldn't have to fear that their parents are going to abuse them or smack them or kill them or whatever. But it's good to have a healthy fear. I had a healthy fear that if I did something I know was wrong, my dad was going to get me. But my dad always talked to me. Even one time when he disciplined me. And I grew up in an alcoholic home, but my father loved me. And he never abused me. He abused our home with his alcohol. But when my father and I, if I did something, my father would say, why did you do that? He never was harsh with me. So relationship is key. Amen? And this servant came to Judah and it says he drew near to him. I want to draw your attention to that word, come near. Came near. That word in the Hebrew, listen to how it translates. That idea of drawing near means to approach with an offering, with a present, or with a request. Then Judah approached him. 
came near to him, approached him with a present, with an offering, or with a request. He had a request. When we come to God, we can learn something here about how we approach God. How many of you know God is not a candy store? And so many people approach him with their grocery list or their candy list or their I want a list. That's not a good way to approach God. How would you as a parent feel if every time your kid approached you, it was I want? Can I have? I need. You'd get to a place where you're like, is that all I'm good for? So there are ways that we need to learn as sons and daughters in relationship with the king. There are ways we need to learn to approach. How many of you learned ways to approach your parents? Now, some of us may have grown up in homes where no matter how you approached them, it was abusive. Okay. Then God as father is somebody that you need to be healed from the inside out and learn how to have a relationship with. But for the most part, We learn how to approach our parents from the time we're little. My grandson, the youngest of my three grandsons. Now, my oldest is 13, and he's taller than me, and that's not saying a lot because I'm pretty short, but, you know, he's about up to here. So when I saw him yesterday, he came up and he just put his arm around me and stooped down. Hey, Nana. I said, you shouldn't be so short. Hey, Nana. Now my middle grandson, he's about nine. He comes to the church and he'll run up and he'll throw his arms around my waist. Nana! And he'll just look at me and he'll say, do you got anything for me? How many of you know there's times you can approach God and say, Father, and throw your arms around him and say, you got anything for me? And he's okay with that because you have relationships. My littlest one, he's now one year. He's crawling. He's just about ready to walk. And that little guy is so sharp. So like I babysit and I put him down to do something. He starts screaming at the top of his lungs. And I turn around and there's big old tears coming down his cheeks. I said, my word, I've killed this kid. And I pick him up, I scoop him up, I say, why are you crying? And he gets a big grin across his face. Now tell me that kids don't learn how to approach. Make sense? We got to look at that. So here's three things that I felt like God showed me about approaching him about drawing near, about coming into his presence with a request or with an offering. Well, what can you offer God, right? That's what we often say. You know, uh, pastor, it's not Bible times. I can't go kill a goat. Please don't. (laughs) I can't, you know, shear a lamb. Please don't. But What is your offering? Your offering isn't just money when you come to church. Your offering is time. How many of you find your time is probably worth more sometimes than your money? 
Your offering to God is that time that you set aside and you say, forget all that. I'm going to worship and spend time with God. Your offering might be your skills or your gifts. Well, I don't even think I have any gifts. Then it's your season to explore all the good gifts God's given you that you can share in the body. You know, God spoke to me one time. He said, there would be no lack in the body of Christ. There would be no lack for needs being met or for uh, skills being required in my house or people to do things. If everybody did and used what I've given them and poured it into the body, there would be no lack. But so many of us don't do anything. We come to church and we sit. And I'm glad for that. I want you to get fed. I want you to enjoy the presence of the Lord. But man, how we could really use your help. Touching other lives. Giving a word. I've had people say to me, well, I I had a word and... I just, I didn't think it was God. Don't you judge that. Come share it with me. How many of you hear what I'm saying? How do we approach this holy God? First thing God said to me is, realize, first of all, that you don't even have a right to approach me. Realize that you were born in sin. Doesn't make you awful and it doesn't mean you're to be kicked to the curb it just means realize that all your efforts to approach me are empty realize that you approach me not on your own merits but on the blood of Jesus so that tells me that I need to know Jesus I need to be what we call saved. I need to give my heart to Christ so that I can open the door to communication with God, to approaching God, to praying. And if that's something you need to do tonight, if that's something that God's really going, that's you, come on. Give your heart to me. I want you. Just pray with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I approach you based on the blood of your son. Nothing I do can save me, but the blood of Jesus saves me, grants me eternal life. So come on in. Come on in, Jesus. Live big in me. I repent. I turn away from sin and turn to you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Now that's the prayer. That's what you pray. But now I want you to just begin to talk to him about living it, about approaching him. Because no longer now will you approach him and say, hey, God, you're going to say, God, in the name of Jesus, and have a conversation. People have said to me, Pastor Cheryl, I don't know how to pray. Easy. Father, in the name of Jesus, and then talk to him. It's like a key that opens the door. See, when we try to go to God and tell him how great we are, Lord, I come into your presence because I read 10 pages of the Bible today and I prayed for one half hour. And man, I went out there and I did two acts of kindness. Now God, and he's like, shut up. 
He's like, so what, man? It's my blood. It's the shed blood of my son. That's what makes you able to approach me. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you just the way you are. Me and you, we'll get together and we'll work on your Bible study time and your prayer time and you hearing my voice to go do things for others and to be kind. How many of you are getting this? It's not us doing a bunch of stuff and then he responds. It's him responding to the cry of our heart that we need him. And then he gets in there and he changes us and we turn into something else. When you really approach the Lord and you know God, you don't have to be told to be kind. You don't have to be told to read the word. You don't have to be told to pray. You want to. It's in you. You feel like if I don't pray, I'm just, just let me die. If I don't get into my word time and prayer time, I don't care about nothing else. That hunger, that drive. How many of you are hearing what I'm saying? Oh, but you don't, you don't realize, Dr. Cheryl, what I'm going through. He does. He does. I mean, there are moments, even in this season, where I'm so overwhelmed, and I'll just get on the floor in my living room, and I'll just start weeping, and I'll just cry out to God, God, I just need strength. I need some energy. I need some sleep. I just, and I said, but you know what, God? You know what I need. So out of my relationship with you, man, give me a B12 or something. And it's like, I'm energized. I get up, and he might say to me, you know what? Go in the kitchen and just start singing, okay? And I'm singing away, and my dog's looking at me like, Ma, what are you doing? Then one day I was singing and she starts howling. I said, oh no, I hope I don't sound bad. How many of you hear me? He's there for you, but you approach him, first of all, because of what his son did for you. Because Jesus died for you and rose again, and you're living for eternity, and that's the most awesome thing in the world. The second thing God showed me is we are just created. He created us this way that we want to attach ourselves to our source. It's just in you. You got to be attached when you pray. You got to be attached. You, you're attached perhaps to your home. You're attached to your car. You're attached. You just like, we like that. God made us that way. We like to be connected. Right? We like to be connected to something. Some of us are too connected. We've connected ourselves to that house. That house is everything in our lives. Or we connect ourselves to a car. That car mm, is shining, Jesus. Or we attach ourselves to whatever we gain our source, our strength, our approval, our affirmation. Now, we might, we might want to call those things idols. Oops. Right? It's in you. You want to be attached. But he created you that way so you would be attached to him. He created you with that hunger to be attached to your life source. Those things can't give you life. Those things can't give you affirmation. You know, some people are attached to that job. That job defines who they are. That job tells them, good job. That job tells them, you're okay. That job tells them, man, you're doing it. And God wants to be that attachment. 
Some are attached to their kids, to their mate. Those things give them their affirm, you know, they're affirmed. They feel like they're worth something. I'm worth something. You're worth something because Jesus said, I love you. I died for you. I would do anything for you. And that's why I want you attached to me. See, how many of you are like, wow, I can't even fathom God loving me so much. That just blows my mind because nobody loves me like that. You're right. Nobody will ever love you the way God loves you. Nobody will ever approve you and affirm you and give you value and worth the way God does. How many of you have found that the older you get, it doesn't take a lot to make you happy? What was so important in the younger years, you find, eh, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, it's all good. But when you sit in the presence of God and you get wiser and you bind your mind to the mind of Christ, you begin to think, this is where it's at. I'm attached to my life source. I'm attached to him. If I just do anything that he tells me to do, if I just live every moment saying, God, I'm, I'm with you, you're with me, just show me. If I do that, I'm good. I'm fulfilled. We have a need to be attached. And so he did that for us. He attached us to him through the blood of Jesus. I remember uh, one of my friends years ago, and uh, we would sit and talk and go to lunch, and one day she said to me, you know, Cheryl, I just, I really just can't go to lunch with you anymore. Okay, I can eat without you. <laughs> she goes, no, I mean, all you want to talk about is Jesus and the blood of Jesus, and, you know, all you want to talk about is things of God. I looked at her and I said, are you feeling okay? Because you're talking weird. I said, of course. What else is there in life? She goes, well, you know, there's parties and there's fun things to do. I said, you can do some fun things with God. People don't get it. They don't get it. And these are people that let, say they love the Lord. To me... Is there anything greater than talking about what God's doing in people's lives? To me, that's the most exciting thing going on, how God's moving. I think it's exciting watching God move throughout our nation at a time where everybody's screaming, we're all going to die. No, we're not going to die. We're going to see God move more. This is the greatest season to be alive because God's doing something. See, I guess it's perspective. I don't look at the glass half empty. I'm like, God, you're awesome. You're in control. So, man, look at all this going on. You're shaking everything that can be shaken. And I feel like it's like a pepper and salt shaker. Man, everything's going crazy. But it's okay because I'm attached. I'm attached to my life source. So when I pray, I immediately approach him saying, God, it's not nothing I can do that will make a difference. But I know one thing, man, me and you are tight on the blood of your son. How many of you are getting this tonight? The third thing God showed me is I, I looked at that book of Genesis and I noticed that the Israelites always were spoken to through Pastor Mo. Right? Pastor Moses. He was a pastor. He had the largest congregation I ever saw. They say six million, but if you had the women and children, it's probably about 12 mil, 13 mil. That's a large congregation. You know what blows my mind? They didn't have microphones. 
That blows my mind. How did how they all hear him? God. But anyway, it's another sermon. But anyway, they were spoken to by God. God always would tell Moses, go tell them people. And so they always heard the word of the Lord through Pastor Mo. And God said, if you attach yourself to me, if you approach me based on who I am in your life, based on the blood of my son, if you attach yourself to me, I'm going to speak through your mouth. Now, oh, come on, you should be excited. You can tell it's Sunday night. We're all like comatose. Okay, Pastor. He said, if you attach to me, I'm going to speak to people. Just like I spoke at Moses' time. He said, I'm going to speak to people through your mouth. That means that we got to do a James 1.19. We got to do a slow to anger. Slow to speak. Quick to listen. That means we got to surrender our lips to God. And we got to watch what we say. Because a lot of times what we say is not God coming out of our mouths. Right? But he says, if you'll hook up with me as you pray, I'll pour out my mercy on you. I'll pour out my mercy and my grace on your life and you're mine. I'm working with you and I'll make you into what I need you to be and I will cause your mouth to speak my words. How many of you have gotten a word for someone and you've prayed and you've spoken to a person based on what you heard God say and it blew your mind? Because they looked at you and they were like, how did you know? How did you know that? God wants to speak through your mouth. And as you pray, God will speak to you about your situations. Now, what do I mean by that? Because really, he puts his word in your mouth, in your life. Your life situations. Listen to me. This is really key. He showed me this. We often think that, why did this have to happen, God? Why did that have to happen? Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to go through that? And what God was showing me is everything that I allowed in your life, I allowed because you're attached to me and as you come into my presence and draw near and come presenting a gift of yourself, come presenting yourself as a sacrifice, then guess what? I'm going to use those experiences and they're going to mold you and shape you and cause you to have a conversation with me that you will in turn use to touch a lost and dying world. Have you ever wondered or experienced where you went through something and it was a hard time, but God used it so that a few years later you're walking somebody else through stuff and you're like, wow. Or God develops that compassion in your heart where you know, okay, we, we watch other people go through hard stuff, and, and it's hard, but we figure in our hearts, well, it's not me, so thank God. But when it is you, and you see how difficult that situation was, and then down the road, you suddenly have this heart of compassion for hurting people for people that are going through a rotten, hard time. And you're like, why am I so burdened? Because you love. 
because you know what you went through. And you really, when you're touched by Jesus, you don't want to see other people have to suffer like that. How many of you hear what I'm saying? The other day, I was reading an article about a, a little baby that they found in a garbage can and just filth around him. And he was just crying and screaming, a newborn. And they scooped him up. And the person that found him, she said, all I could do was weep and just hold this baby and comfort him. And she said, because... I had gone through a miscarriage. And she said it was like God gave me such compassion for this infant. And she says, you know, one thing led to another. I think he had, you know, he got adopted out or something. Well, he went on to become one of the world's greatest, youngest mathematicians. We don't realize how God will use us. So God spoke to Moses. Well, God is speaking to you. He's putting the word in your mouth. And this is what God said to me. He says, I'm making it so my people are not just praying to me, but they are praying with me. Wow. It's not this conversation that goes one way, us to God. He says, they are praying with me. When you pray, Cheryl, I want you praying with me. I want, I want us to have this two-way thing going on that it's a back and forth, a giving and a receiving. I don't want you to just come into my presence and start, you know, shouting a bunch of scriptures at me and start telling me all these things. He goes, I want to be a part. I want relationship. He says, so I'm making it that when people approach me in prayer, they can pray with me, not just to me. How many of you so appreciated your little ones when they were small and they would talk and you wouldn't know what they're saying? You're just like, okay. But it became so much richer that the older they got, they could converse with you. I have such awesome conversations with my daughters. They're 31 and 32 now. And we can talk back and forth. That was by far so much more exciting to me than listening to them babble when they were babies. But it was exciting when they were babies because they were mine. They were connected to their life source. Are you getting this tonight? You belong to him, and you and him have a life source connection. But as you mature, as you advance, as you become all that he's destined you to be, your relationship, he has to take on a new realm. Your relationship to talk with God has to become new and exciting. To the place where there'll be times where you're talking to God and he will give you an answer through your own mouth. Now, what do I mean? Like the other day, I was praying and said, God, I don't know how I'm going to do all this today. I mean, I could cancel this, move it over here. And he goes, yeah, that might work. And then I could maybe, well, maybe this, and then suddenly a call came into the office and they said, oh, pastor, your so-and-so thing for this day canceled. And I'm just like, God, and I'm talking to God. God, look at that. And by the time that was over, God said, now, tell me again what's going on here. You said you didn't have time. Oh, wow, God, I got time now. I can do all this. He answered me through me. It was kind of cool. How many of you have been there? You get an answer, and it's because you and God communicated and worked it out, and it happens. That's the kind of relationship he wants. 
In fact, this is how Paul said it. Philippians 2.5. Because Paul, Paul's soul was attached to God, wasn't it? There was an attachment. Okay, look at this. Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Isn't that what it's all about? I want the mind of Christ. And so when I pray, I'm forever saying, Lord, I bind my mind to the mind of Christ. I bind my will to the will of God. He said, he said, Matthew, whatever you bind in heaven or in earth is already, listen to the Greek, is already having been bound in heaven. What you loose in the earth is already having been loosed. Do you get it? So we can bind our minds to Christ because that gives us the mind of Christ in us. Begin to decree that over your life. Lord, I bind my mind to the mind of Christ. I want the mind of Christ to be in me, according to your word in Philippians 2.5. I want to think like you think. I want to do what you do, Jesus. I want people to not see me. I want them to see you. And it will begin to happen. You'll be blown away. God wants to speak to us. He wants us to have his mind. He wants us to know him. Much like how many of you are married or been married or you have a very dear friend and you grew up together and to the place where you think their thoughts, you know what they're going to say next. Or you know what's not going to sit well with them. Like I can tell you right now, uh, if something comes up and uh, I, you know, I'm looking at a situation and somebody will say, well, do this. I'll say, oh, no, Bishop's not going to have that. Or, uh, you know, somebody will give him a situation to look at. Or what does he think? He'll say, oh, no, I can tell you right now what Cheryl's going to say. See, knowing that person so much that you know what they're thinking. You know how their reasoning goes. You, you could probably quote what they're going to say. A perfect example is yesterday with the baby. And his party. One of the things Bishop does sometimes really loud is he clears his throat. And he'll go, ah! And so the baby at first would jump every time Bishop would do that. i say, honey, don't do that. You're scaring him. And so yesterday, out of the clear blue, he's sitting in his high chair waiting to start smashing into his one-year cake. And we're all like, I mean, you had to see this. A bunch of adults just waiting. Okay, can't wait to see this, right? And all of a sudden, he looks around, and he goes really loud. <laughs> we busted out laughing. And he looks up for Bishop to find Bishop somewhere, and Bishop's just, oh, my God. And he clears his throat, and then he looks around, and he stuck his face right in the cake. See, he kind of already knows that's his papa, and he does this weird thing with his throat. When we got relationship, and that's just a baby, how much better with us with God? God wants to speak to you. The ancient Jews believed that God spoke that God spoke to his people like he did with Moses, he'll speak through us. He wants to speak to you and through you and through your life. He'll use your life experiences so that you can be used of him and hear him as you go on in life. This clip comes from a movie called Noble. And it's a, a, a scene called Helping the Kids. This gal... Earlier in the movie, as a young teen, her baby is adopted out without, you know, she signed paperwork, but she didn't know it. And these nuns had adopted her baby out from underneath her. And she's devastated. And 
in her precious honesty, she goes before the Lord in prayer and they show you where she says, I don't like this and I may get ugly and cuss you out, but I want you to know that I'm going to still follow you. And I thought, how cool. Isn't that true? We get all holy in our thinking. Oh, we can't say that to God. God understands your hurt. He understands your anger. He understands as long as you keep that relationship with him nurtured. Well, here now, the clip is many years later, but how God uses her and the way her and God converse. Watch this. I need to find a way to help these kids. We die, the dust of life. That's what I was once. Just like Tell and Hang, Lamb, and thousands of other kids. I can't afford to make any more mistakes or I'll get kicked out of this country. I need you to tell me what to do. I'll tell you what, I'll walk, you lead. This is private property. Can I have you? Uh, sorry, the kite came over the wall outside. Thank you for returning it. Is this a school? No. It is a government orphanage of Bình Thạnh District. Private property. Thank you. Is it ever possible to visit the children? Sometimes. But strictly with permission. Right. Who do I apply to for permission? Me. Hallelujah. You lead, I follow. And so he leads her. This woman, it's a true story, she ends up leading thousands of kids in Vietnam to Christ. Awesome. See how God answered her. And she just was straight up with God. Listen, God, I'm desperate. I cannot afford any mistakes here. I can get put out of this country. I need you to do something here. She had a relationship. She knew how to reach God and talk to him and pray. Let's pray tonight. How many of you just desire that Closer walk with God where you just follow. Let him lead and you'll follow. Just lift your hands if that's you tonight. And even at home, if that's you, and you say, I really need that kind of relationship with God. Just lift your hands right where you're at in your home. Now, Father, we come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus and through the shed blood of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you tonight. We thank you for life. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you freely, to love you, to serve you. Father, we want to serve you with our whole heart, spirit, soul, and body. So we ask right now, God, for that closer, closer walk with you. We ask for the mind of Christ. We ask that as you lead, God will follow. Show us. Show us through our actions. Show us through words. Show us through our lives. Speak through us and speak to us. Give us ears to hear you. Father, we humble ourselves tonight. 
As we come to your communion table tonight, we humble ourselves. We ask you to forgive us. We ask you for cleansing. We ask you for healing. We ask you to help us examine our lives because we don't want anything that is not of you in our lives. Father, we just lay it all at the foot of the cross tonight. We lay every sin. Unforgiveness, no way. We choose to forgive tonight. And we release and bless those that have hurt us and wounded us. Just say it with your mouth. Forgive whoever you need to forgive. You may not mean it in your heart, but God will work on your heart. Release it out of your mouth tonight. I forgive and just begin to forgive. Lord, forgive us for pride, where we think we're better, where we know everything. Forgive us for disobedience and rebellion. Forgive us for that self-will and the fear and the doubt and the unbelief. Forgive us for words, things we said that we should never have said. Gossip, slander, backbiting, you name it, God. We burn the coals of holiness upon our lips. Forgive us tonight. Forgive us for injustice. If we've looked down upon another person or race or whatever, forgive us for that. Change us. Forgive us for not even seeing it as injustice in our ignorance, God. Forgive us. Cleanse us. Heal us. Restore us. Father, we want to be the church, not some form of it. We want our hearts to be like Jesus. And he loved and accepted all people. Help us to do that. Father, do that work in us. Change us. Just talk to him for a minute. Just begin to tell him, sorry, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I'm going to ask Dr. Scott to come and pray over our communion table as we close tonight.